This past week, you know, I was kind of trying to figure out what the Lord would have me to talk about today and what he wanted me to share. So he laid, he laid a psalm on my heart, Psalms chapter 48. And, and honestly, this, this, he laid this on my heart, I believe it was Monday morning, because uh, I'd been praying, Lord, I, I need to have something to give your people. I need to have something to give our family. So if you'll open your, your Bibles, please, to Psalms chapter 48, Psalms chapter 48, and when you find your place, if you would please stand, Psalms 48. There's 14 uh, verses. Um, I'm going to read all 14 verses. This psalm says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is known in her palaces for a refuge. For lo, the king was assembled. The kings were assembled. They passed by together. They saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled and hasted away. Fear took hold upon them there, and pain as of a woman in travail. Thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of hosts. In the city of our God, God will establish it forever, Selah. We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of thy temple. According to thy name, O God, so is thy praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. Walk about Zion and go round about her. Tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces that ye may tell it to the generations following. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious holy word, Father, that we can open up and look into and allow our hearts to be receptive to your words. For, Father, these words are unfallible, Father. They're perfect. They're righteous. They're holy because they come from you, Father. Father, for you caused, you gave man the wisdom to, and, and, and the enlightenment, Father, to write down, to pen, Father, what we read this morning and what we continually read as we open your holy scriptures. Father, speak to our hearts today. Lord, let us feel your presence ever so real. We ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Several years ago, there was a legal document filed in Murphy, North Carolina. This document created a puzzling situation in the courts that were there. Uh, an eccentric woman had passed away, and uh, she named God in her will. She, she left part of her estate to God. And to settle the matter, what happened was the suit was filed. There was an actual suit that was filed naming God as the defendant. And um, a local sheriff there was appointed to serve the summons on God. And this is a true story. After several days, he brought in this report, and this is what he said. After due and diligent search, God cannot be found in Cherokee County, North Carolina. 
Isn't that a sad statement for someone to make? He couldn't find God in Cherokee County, North Carolina. And then in April of 1961, the Russians uh, sent up Yuri Gergig, I can't already pronounce these people's names, Gargarin. Uh, he, was, he became the first human to travel into space aboard the Vostok 1. And peering through the window out into space as he was going up, uh, Yuri made a comment. He said, I don't see any God up here. And later on, the Russian uh, premier, um, Nikita Khrushchev, in his anti-religious propaganda speech before the Central Committee of the Soviet Communist Party, made this comment. Why should you clutch at God? Look, Gergerin flew in space and saw no God. And the following Sunday, Dr. W. Criswell, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, made another comment to kind of to make up for what the, the Russians had said. He said, if those atheists would have stepped out of those suits while they were in space, they'd have met God face to face. <laughs> and that's the truth. That is, that is the truth. But, you know, in the United States, we've got on the, on, printed on our coins and on our dollar bills, in God we trust. But there's been a movement for several years to take that off of our money. They want to destroy it. And now they're talking about all this, these Bitcoins and all these, this online money stuff that they're trying to, to, to come up with. And uh, worldwide, um, you know, um, worldwide monetary uh, uh, payments that, that they're, they're looking to go to. They're trying to destroy the dollar bill. And I think the reason that that's happening uh, is the same reason they wanted to take God out of our, Chris, Chris, our public school systems. And, and it's a sad thing that we live in a day that when people say there is no God. And that's huge. That's a huge movement right here in America, a, a nation that was founded on Judeo-Christian values, a nation that was, that, that was, that was formed because of uh, people wanting the freedom to worship Jesus Christ. Not, not Muhammad. They came here to, to worship Jesus Christ. Uh, and to get away from England because they were trying to tell them how they had to worship God. And there were those who broke away and they came here because they wanted to have a nation that would stand up and they would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and they would teach him uh, to, to all their children. But, you know, there was also in the Old Testament a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar uh, who defiled God and he stood up in the face of God. And, and when he looked around at all of the Babylonian uh, empire that he said he built, he gave himself all the glory. He wanted all the glory for himself. He didn't want to give any glory to God whatsoever. But Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar what was going to happen to him. And what he told him took place. And uh, indeed, uh, he found out indeed that there is a God. And, and I just want to read to you uh, Nebuchadnezzar's statement after he had went through. what Because what God did is he made him crawl around for a long time like an animal eating grass. God will prove himself to this world one way or another. And if God's people will not stand up and let, pe let this world know that God is there, He is alive, and He's never going to change, He's eternal, He's everlasting, and He loves people. He loves people. Even if they hate Him, He still loves people. I mean, look at what our, look what our Savior did on the cross when they crucified Him. They crucified Him because they hated Him. But He still loved them. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
But Nebuchadnezzar, this is what he said when he finally came to his senses after God uh, allowed him to crawl around like an animal. Um, I believe it was right around seven years he crawled around uh, like an animal. I mean, he, they said he, his, he grew hair like eagle's feathers coming out of his body. And he crawled around on his hands and knees eating grass. He was out of his mind. He lost his mind completely. And this is what he said when he came out of it. In Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 through 37, he said, And at the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. So when he finally looked up into the heavens and, and recognized that God is God, this is what he said, And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and He doeth according to His will in the army of heavens and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand and say unto Him, What doest thou? Nobody has the right to question God, ever. None of us have a right to question God for anything. He goes on, he says, At the same time, many reasons returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven, all whose work are truth, whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we love. That's the God that we want to know better. That's the God that we want to make known to this world because they need to know him. This God is. That's what the, it's, it's found right there in, in Psalms uh, chapter 48. For this God is. I just stopped right there when I read that. For this God is. He is. That, that's eternal. That never goes away. When you say something is, it's present, it's past, it's future, it's God is. And nothing can ever change that. And it, extolled, and it, and it, and it, it should excite us uh, to have the knowledge of God uh, as the most high, most high God. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23 through 24 says this. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. That's what makes God happy that people give him the glory. Psalms 48 ex exalts the true God who is. And that's what I want us to know today. I want us to know about this God who is. Um, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Uh, that he starts out with and he concludes with the words, For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. To the end of our life, He will be our God. And then even after that, He's still our God because God is. And nothing can ever change that. And, and these words confirm God's existence, His, etern His, His eternality, and His eminence. That's the God we serve. 
Nothing can change that. We have a wonderful God. So I want you to think on these things as I go through these points with you today that this God is. Think about the statements as follows. Number one, this, uh, this, this God is, and this statement in Psalms 48, 14, confronts our foes and our enemies about their uh, fallacies, their false, their, their false teachings, the things that they, they, they don't believe in. For this God is, in verse 14, this is a positive statement which is met with a negative response to the world out there, the unbelievers. They don't want to believe that God is. They don't want to believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. They do not want to believe anything that Jesus loves them. They don't want to hear it because to them that's nothing but hate speech. When you tell somebody Jesus loves them and they look at that as hate, there's a problem with our, with our society, folks. There is a problem with our society. This statement is a powerful declaration, the truth of which confronts anybody who, who assaults the truth. You want to know the truth? You want to know the truth? It's in the Word of God. Somebody asks you what is true, say, God is. That's all you got to say. God is. Because He is. That's truth. And the truth is found in the Word of God. But there are several major groups of false thoughts who have false thought out there with regard to the existence of the one true and living God. They don't believe in Him. They don't want to accept Him. I want to share some of those with you. There's one, there's one group called pantheism. The word pantheist is from the Greek word pan, meaning all, and the word theos, meaning God. Together they form the word pantheist or pantheism, one who believes that all forces, uh, manifestations, any kind of manifestations, everything working together, the whole universe working together, that that's God. That's their, that's their belief. They're called pantheists because they believe that, and I was witnessing the guy here a while back, and that's how he believed. Well, you know, we're all gods within ourselves. We put all the universe together. Everything comes together, and that's what God is. No, that's not God. That's God's creation, folks. That's God's creation is what that is. And then there's a group called poly, polytheism. The word is from two Greek words, poly meaning many and theos meaning many is many gods. Uh, their belief is that there's many gods. There's all kind of gods out there. It's kind of like the teaching that you hear about, well, all religions lead to heaven. No, they don't. They do not. There's only one way to heaven, and Jesus said it. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except through me. The only way to heaven, he's the key, he's the door. He's the only way to get into heaven, folks, because our God is. Our God is. I don't care what the world says out there. I don't care what the pantheism says, what polyism says. I don't care. They don't, they don't know our God, but they need to know our God. And we've, we're the ones who's got to take him out there and make him known to these kind of people. There's another one called deism. The word deist and deism are from the Latin deos, meaning God. And uh, it's their belief, uh, and, and, and their belief is the, they believe in the existence of God, that he created the world and the universe, but they do not believe that you can know him. They believe he's like an absentee landlord. That's how they look at him. Or you've heard of absentee owners of businesses. They own a business. They pay somebody to run that business. They don't believe that you can ever get to know God in any way, shape, or form. They believe that there's a God. He made everything, but they don't believe you can have a relationship with that God. Then why do we have the Word of God? Why did Jesus come and lay down his life that we, that, that we may have life eternal? They think he's untouchable. They think that he's unknowable. You can't know anything about him. Uh, but they believe that there's a God, but they don't, they don't know anything about him. 
Um, and then there's atheism, which we've all heard of atheism. The word is from the Greek word as well, theos, uh, which is a negative prefix of a, uh, meaning without or not. Um, and and their, their whole thinking is um, they deny the existence of God, period. There is no God at all. They don't believe in anything. And then there's the ag agnosticism, which uh, this word is also a Greek origin and comes from uh, gignoskian, uh, which means to know or knowledge. Um, and, and, and their whole thought is one who believes it is not possible to know God's existence. You just can't know anything about God's existence. There's nothing we can know because they don't believe the word of God. And, and the reason a lot of people don't read the word of God is nobody took it to them. So we've got a responsibility as those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is to make him known. And that's what we have to do. So what does the true and only living God of heaven and earth, God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and, and God of all comfort, we find in 2 Corinthians 1.3, what does he have to say about this regarding these, these fallacies that people say against him? What does God say about that? It's in two places in the book of Psalms. And these are both pretty much the same ones. Psalms 41.1 uh, and Psalms um, 14.1 and Psalms 53.1, where both verses repeat pretty much the same statement. The fool, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. That's, that, that, that's where it comes from, folks. People are foolish. They don't believe the word of God. And because they don't believe in God, that makes them a fool. And, and also in Psalms 53 verse 1, he says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. And why do they say there's no God? They say there's no God because they want to live in their filthy, stinking sin. Plain and simple. They don't want to give up the sins of this world. They'd rather hold on to the now instead of the future. You know, we look into the future as Christians. We live for the now. Yes, we do because we have to. Because God is. That means he's, he's today, he's tomorrow, he's next week, he's eternal. Nothing can change that about our God. And, and as a result of all this, you know, the statement in Psalms 48, 14, that this God is confronts the foes and the, our foes and, 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 our, and of a divine revelation about the truth and the false assumptions about, about our God. And uh, the statement that this God is stands as a witness against all non-biblical views about God. Uh, it condemns unbelief. It denounces false gods. And it will doom them in the day of judgment because this God is. When they stand before their maker one day, they'll know this God is. And nothing's ever going to change that about this God. To support any other belief is to not deny Jesus uh, and, and, and deny the fact that Jesus is correct when he prayed in John 17, 17, where he said, sanctify them through tr thy truth. Thy word is truth. The only truth that's left in this world that ever was in this world is from the word of God. That's the only truth that there is. And since the psalmist tells us in Psalms 119.89, forever, O Lord, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It is the only credible authority that we have is the word of God. That's it. And, and if somebody ever writes a book out there and it's not based on what the word of God tells us, then it's not real. It's not true. Plain and simple. If somebody wants to, wants to, wants to write something or tell something about, about God, it's got to come directly from the word of God because God is. It's said that the Jewish people in Israel, that 20% of them, are atheists. 20% of the people in the nation of Israel do not believe in God. 
They don't believe that, that, that there's a God. I read that the other day. Of, of all the population, 20% say that they're atheists. And the reason they believe that and the way they feel that way is because they say that if God was real, how could he allow the Holocaust to take place? Why would God allow something like that to happen? If God, was, if God is there, then why would he allow the Holocaust to kill our family members? You know, the presence of evil does not prove the absence of God. The presence of evil does not prove the absence of God. This God is, and that settles it. It confronts everything about our, to our enemies, uh, that our God is true. Uh, and, and that one of these days, folks, they're going to bow down before him. If you're here today and you don't believe that God is, you will bow down before him one day. You will have no choice because when you stand in the presence of, all, of Almighty God, and you, you're not even going to be able to look upon him because of his glory. Because he, his glory is so bright, you can't even look upon, upon our God. Um, and, and, and in Psalms 48, uh, Jehovah is declared to be the God who is the great, great, the great Lord. I'm sorry, I'm stuttering now. The great Lord in verse 1. The God who is, is the great King. The God who is, is the Lord of hosts. And that word, Lord of hosts, also it can be interpreted as Lord Almighty. God is almighty. Nothing can take that away from him. He will never be dethroned. He is the God that always is. And, and um, we need to concentrate more on the fact that the, on this single word, this, this God is, this God is because he is everlasting. Uh, our faith and our foundation of everything that we believe on is the fact that God is. He's, he is. He is. He said, I'm the great I am. And, and he, in creation, in Genesis 1, 1, uh, he, he's, he reveals himself in, in, in three different ways. In creation, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, Isaiah 40, 28 says, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. None of us can fully understand God 100%. We can come to know Him as best we can through the Word of God, but to understand everything about God Almighty, our minds are too finite. We cannot understand those wonderful things about God Almighty. We cannot do it. But He, he, show, he reveals Himself to us in creation, in His incarnation. In John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. That Word is speaking about Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus was that Word in the beginning. In John 1.14, it also says, And the Word was made flesh. That's the incarnation. That's where God, Jesus himself, became flesh. The Word of God becomes flesh, and he dwelled among us. Uh, and we beheld his glory. That's the disciples talking. We beheld his glory. And that glory, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And in 1 Timothy 3.16 he says as well. And without controversy great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on, the wor on in the world. Received up into glory. He was caught up into glory. Our God is. He is. He's still there. And also in his inscriptation, that's kind of an odd word, inscriptation. You can't find it in the dictionary, by the way. But what it proves, uh, it, it's simply, uh, it's kind of coined after the words incarnate and incarnation where, where Jesus is made real and God is made real through the scripture, inscripturation, inscripturation. Uh, our faith does not rest 
in extra biblical creeds. We don't need the Holy Apostles' Creed that they call it that comes from the Catholic Church. We don't need the Nicene Creed. But in the God of the Word himself, as uh, Eliza E. Hewitt said in her hymn, my faith has found a resting place not in device or creed. Not in creed, folks. That's something man-made. That's something that the Catholic Church came up with, the Apostles' Creed. We don't need that. We got the Word of God. It says, I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. The statement in Psalms 48, 14 that this God is confronts everything. This God is. Think about that. And then also in that statement, uh, this statement confronts our fears about the future. How many of you fear the future? You think about what, what the future holds? You, you fear it? I'm here to tell you today, there's no reason to fear. The future is where we will spend eternity. Nothing to be afraid of. It's eternal. It's eternality out there, folks. When we leave this earth, we have nothing to fear. There's, there's nothing to be afraid of. The entire plot of biblical truth is intended to prepare us for life after death. There's a life after death. The God who is, is the God for time and eternity. He said, I change not. Nothing about God is going to change. And, and, and more than 60 times, God says in his word, be not afraid, do not fear. And why would those words cancel out fear? Why would that take the fear away? Just because it says so in the Bible, don't be afraid. Why, 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 why would we not be afraid? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Psalms 48, 14 says it again. Fear not this, fear not for this God is the preeminent God. This God. Fear not this Fear not, for this God is the personal God. Fear not, for this God is the permanent God forever and ever. Fear not, for this God is the present God. He will be our God unto death. He's with us all the way. Nothing to be afraid of, folks. So many Christians walking around living in fear. There was a saintly widow uh, who was going through a difficult time, and her, her faith was put to the test. And someone asked her about, you know, you afraid to live alone? And you know what her answer was? When fear knocks, I let God answer the door. When fear knocks, I let God answer the door. There's nothing to be afraid of. Why? Because God is. Because God is. And that's a good example, a good example for all of us to follow. This God is our God forever and ever. He's the architect of the universe and creator of all. He's the ruler of rulers, the leader of leaders. He, is, he, he always was, he is, and he always will be. He's eternal, true, holy, all-powerful, and lovely. He's unchangeable, unchanging, and never unavailable. Think about that. He's never unavailable. He always answers his phone. You know, he don't even have to have a phone. You know, you try to call people sometimes. They just, you, you can't get a hold of people all, a lot of times. And, and, you know, but God, his, his, phone, his phone line's never busy. He's always available. He is sovereign. He's faithful. And he's my God. He's my God. And, I, you know, I, I'm a little selfish about that because he's my heavenly father. But then again, I want to I share him with as many people as I possibly can because this God is our God forever and ever. When I, am, when I fall, he lifts me up. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I'm afraid, he's my courage. When I'm lost, he's the way. When I stumble, he, he steadies me. When I'm hurt, he heals me. When I'm broken, he mends me. When I'm blind, he leads me. When I'm hungry, he feeds me. When I'm 
When I face trials, he's with me. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he comforts me. When I face loss, he provides for me. When I face death, he carries me home. He'll carry me home. So I guess the whole conclusion is, are, are, are you unemployed? Do you need a job? I'm here to remind you that God is. Are you sick? I remind you, God is. We have a lot of widows in our church. We really do. I think we have more widows than we have anything in our church. So I remind you, our God is. He'll never leave you. You know, he, t- he, t- he just won't. Single parent, if you're a single parent, I don't know how many single parents we have. If you, I think we have a couple in our church, maybe one in our church too, that I can think of. Our God is. You're not alone. A broken home, I remind you that our God is. Teenagers in an uncertain world, I remind you God is. He is. Nothing's going to change that. Are you stressed, oppressed, depressed, discouraged? I remind you, our God is. And he wants you to come to him when you face anything, no matter what you face. See, we can all rest in the truth that God, the God of heaven, is too good and too kind to let us suffer in this world for too long of a time. He knows what's right. He knows what he's doing. And this God is our God. This God is, make it personal when you read things like that. This God is. So number one, he confronts our foes and enemies about their fallacies. Number two, he confirms the faith of the faithful. And he confronts our fears about the future. There's nothing to be afraid of. We have nothing to fear because our God is. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we can come before you, Lord, anytime. You're always available. You're always there for us. You're the God who, when we're afraid, you give us courage, Father, because we know that you are the God that is. We thank you, Father, for uh, just the truths of your word. No matter what we go through, no matter what we feel, no matter what kind of hurt or pain or suffering we go through, we can look to your word and know that our God is. He always has been. He is. He always will be. Thank you for being there for us, Father. Thank you for your loving kindness and mercy. Thank you, Lord, that we can confront our enemies without fear. That we can get up every day of our lives without fear, knowing that whatever comes our way, Father, we find strength in your presence in our life. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us. You never have, and you never will. And we praise you for that. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.